The Trudeau government broke with years of Canadian foreign policy by voting in favor of a non-binding UN resolution that called for an immediate ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Canada falls to 62nd out of 67 on the Climate Change Performance Index. The Trudeau government paid $323 million for a COVID vaccine factory that never produced anything. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, December 13th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm William Macbeth. And I'm Noah Jarvis. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The Trudeau government shocked Jewish groups in Canada after voting in favor of a non-binding resolution at the United Nations on Tuesday that called for an immediate ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Canada's decision to vote for the resolution broke with years of Canadian diplomacy, which has traditionally stood steadfastly with Israel. The Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs said it was, quote, disgusted and frankly shocked by Canada's stance. The resolution does not explicitly call out Hamas for its crimes or urge the group to surrender. Earlier Tuesday, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia issued a joint statement saying, quote, Israel must respect humanitarian law and called for a, quote, sustainable ceasefire. The leaders unequivocally condemned the terror attacks against Israel by Hamas on October 7th, which resulted in significant loss of life and included heinous acts of violence. The statement also reaffirmed Israel's right to exist and defend itself. However, the statement then argued that the price of defeating Hamas cannot be the continuous suffering of all Palestinian civilians. The statement reads, quote, We are alarmed at the diminishing safe space for civilians in Gaza. At the time, the three countries condemned Hamas' unacceptable treatment of hostages and called for the immediate and unconditional release of all remaining hostages. So Noah, this is a pretty big change in Canada's foreign policy voting against Israel at the United Nations and puts them in opposition to the United States who voted it against the resolution and Great Britain that voted an abstention. Um, do you think this is just because of the rallies and protests that have happened or do you think this represents a change in Canada's foreign policy? Well, I think the Trudeau government sees the writing on the wall when it comes to their diminishing popularity in Canada. And they have seen this massive wave of pro-Palestinian protests in the streets of Canada uh, that are rapidly anti-Israel, uh, mainly from uh, many uh, immigrants that the Trudeau government themselves has brought into the country. The Trudeau government, they see these trends and they more than likely want to hop on the popularity of the pro-Palestinian uh, movement, you know, whether or not that is something that uh, is smart by the Trudeau government, uh, that's up to them when it comes to uh, their popularity. But at the end of the day, this is a uh, move to sort of regain some of the popularity that the Trudeau government feels that they may be bleeding to the NDP, who has taken a uh, for much more firm stance in supporting the Palestinian movement. At the end of the day, Canada is not the biggest player on the international stage, but it is important for the West to stay steadfast and remain supportive 
of the Israeli state and to break from uh, the United States and Great Britain's uh, policy of voting against this UN resolution shows that the the West is not united in defending the state of Israel and it just shows the cracks in the armor of support and internet of Israel not just in Canada but internationally I certainly think the decision to back a ceasefire is a major change in position for Canada and of course, a lot of people and experts have been saying that to support a, a prolonged ceasefire is basically tantamount to giving Hamas more time to rearm and prepare for another attack against Israel. And that part of the reason why the last deal fell apart was because Hamas is still holding women hostages, which they have pledged to return. And, and some argue that this is because those women have endured uh, sexual violence and, and other horrible uh, acts while being held as hostages. So, you know, if it is just political pandering at home, I, I think that's a really disappointing day for Canada on the world stage. Canada's steep and increasing carbon tax is not improving the country's performance on climate change, according to an international watchdog. Despite the steady stream of climate initiatives being implemented by the Canadian government, Canada has fallen to 62nd out of 67 on the Climate Change Performance Index. Last year, Canada placed 58th out of 63 countries for which the data was available. Four new countries were added in the Climate Change Performance Index's 2024 edition, Nigeria, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, and the United Arab Emirates. While Canada technically dropped in placements, as all four new countries placed above it, it was the sixth lowest ranked country in the last two years. So William, after all of the efforts that the Trudeau government has been uh, putting into making Canada a net zero country and making uh, our country one of the uh, leaders in fighting climate change uh, internationally, it doesn't seem as if uh, international watchdogs necessarily respect uh, the efforts that Canada uh, is putting into their climate agenda. So is this a, just an indication that uh, the carbon tax and that Trudeau's uh, larger uh, climate agenda is a failure? I think the Canadian government has to eventually acknowledge that the climate tax has been nothing but a, pol a policy failure. The carbon tax hasn't cut emissions in Canada. It hasn't resulted in people using uh, less oil and gas. And the reality is, as a cold, dark country, and especially in winter, Canadians are always going to be consumer, high consumers of energy. And so if you're expecting Canadians to change their behavior, I think you either have to have a carbon tax that is so punishingly high that the thought of using fossil fuels just makes you sick to your stomach, or there won't be any change. We have to drive our cars to work. We have to heat our homes in winter. So the climate uh, carbon tax has had absolutely no impact on how Canadians consume. What's going to cut carbon emissions in Canada is improvements in technology, either advances in renewables or in cleaning carbon from existing energy production, whatever the case may be. But as it stands, Canada's carbon emissions continue to rise despite having had a carbon tax since 2015 or even earlier in some cases. It's a public policy failure. Not only is it a public policy failure, but it is also leading to the division of Canada in multiple other uh, ways. For example, when it comes to national unity, uh, the federal government has failed on that front as 
the carbon tax issue and uh, legislation like Bill C-46 and Bill C-69, the No More Pipelines Act, it has created a division um, uh, amongst its provincial partners, uh, most notably in the Alberta government, who decided to elect a premier who is very much pro-sovereignty. She passed through the sovereignty within the United Canada Act and has used it against the Trudeau government's just transition agenda. And it has also placed significant strain on our economy. The uh, Parliamentary Budget Officer has noted that the carbon tax is indeed contributing to inflation and that Canadians pay more in the carbon tax than the benefits that they receive from the carbon tax. So it, not only is the car, uh, is the Trudeau climate agenda failing at its own uh, meeting its own objectives but it is also straining Canada in many other ways it just goes to show that the Trudeau government's desi desired policy initiatives aren't meeting its stated objection it is also creating secondary negative effects that is having a tremendous strain on Canada if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Canadian taxpayers were on the hook for $323 million that went towards a Quebec COVID vaccine facility that was never built and never produced a single dose of vaccine. The startling revelation came from a House of Commons Health Committee meeting Monday regarding Medicago, a now-defunct company in Quebec City that received $323 million in federal subsidies, double the amount initially reported. Despite the money, its vaccine never made it to market. As reported by Blacklock's reporter, a factory executive chose not to disclose the details of the contracts. Medicago CEO Toshifumi Tada refrained from divulging contract details. Despite having two agreements with the Canadian government, Medicago failed to deliver any COVID vaccines under an advanced purchase agreement, costing taxpayers $150 million. The company also secured around $173 million in research subsidies through Innovation Canada's Strategic Innovation Fund, but Tata was unable to provide specifics, citing confidentiality constraints. So Noah, I think when Canadians hear about this and remember back to the dark days of COVID, they think about the failed vaccine partnership with China, with communist China. They think about uh, the mixed messaging that came out of our public health advice, don't wear a mask, always wear a mask, sometimes wear a mask. Uh, I think a lot of Canadians are wondering just how good or or re more really bad our COVID response was. Why, why do you think the government isn't holding a full inquiry into how it handled the, their COVID response? And that's, you know, unlike other countries like, like the United Kingdom who are holding an inquiry, why do you think Canada's avoiding holding that kind of inquiry? Well, it, an inquiry does not serve the Trudeau government's uh, political objectives. Uh, an inquiry into the government's uh, reaction to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic would just be an investigation and, and, a, and an eventual indictment into their own government. 
the fact of the matter is the Trudeau government, they spent an inordinate amount of time and energy into different initiatives that has not produced any sort of results whatsoever. As you mentioned, the aforementioned uh, pursuance of uh, Chinese uh, COVID-19 vaccines and spending $323 million in just wasted money into uh, a, a, a Quebec vaccine into a Quebec vaccine in which no vaccines were actually produced. Uh, if you also recall the ArriveCan app, uh, the government spent $54 million on that app, uh, which was broken, and experts to say that they could have spent a lot less money, around uh, $100,000, to build that same sort of app, not necessitating $54 million. So an inquiry into the government's uh, reaction to the COVID-19 pandemic would only be an indictment of them and not serve the Trudeau government's political objectives whatsoever. I think those are great points. And I would say, though, that despite the embarrassment it would probably bring to this current government, I think it's absolutely necessary, particularly given how easy Canada's legacy media went on the government at the time. They simply repeated government talking points throughout COVID. They really never asked hard questions. They didn't push back on claims that this is what the, the best science tells us to do. This is what the experts tell us to do. They simply repeated all of that. And I think they thought their job was to be a mouthpiece, when in reality, their job was to defend the interests of Canadians. So given that, I think, I think Canadians deserve a good, hard, long look into what really happened. And it's quite obvious that the reason why the only government that is pursuing an inquiry into the into the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic and the government's reaction is Alberta, where they had a change in premier who views uh, these types of issues very differently. Uh, for example, you're not going to see the Ontario government launch an inquiry into the response to the COVID nineteen pandemic because they shut schools down for over twenty weeks. Uh, they had some of the longest lasting uh, lockdowns and some of the longest lasting mask mandates out of every province and if you just go to other provinces like Quebec where they tried to institute a curfew and they had all these radical measures for stamping down on the spread of the COVID-19 virus which these measures had uh, barely any effect on doing it would just indict the politicians and the public health bureaucrats uh, that instituted these policies which wouldn't be beneficial for the public health uh, bureaucrats and the politicians who are responsible for initiating such an inquiry. So, yes, it would be great if Canadians could get a uh, truth and a sort of conclusion to what had happened during the pandemic uh, and get that sort of closure. But uh, because of the incentives available to our politicians, that's just not going to happen. Well, that's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern. And the Candace Malcolm Show is up at 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Have a great day.